Anyway, it's great to be here. It's a privilege to be here again. We've got the chosen few this morning. That's good. That's very good. I used to help lead a church where there was some Sundays, all about eight of us. So it's not unusual. But every one of you is known by the Lord, loved by the Lord. And I believe he's got a word for each one of you this morning. And indeed, here we are. We're thinking about finishing strong this morning. Finishing strong. And before we unpack that a little bit, I just want to ask you, what are you like at just finishing things in general? Are you someone that doesn't finish things? Like, for instance, could we, could we award you this? Are you one of those people, you know, that you've got several, well, I have several books on the go, I'm like halfway through. Are you one of those people with a DIY project that has yet to be finished? Are you one of those people that every new year you make those resolutions and then three weeks in, it's all gone out the window? I stopped making New Year's resolutions about three years ago because I got so depressed when three weeks in I, I wasn't keeping up with that. I said, oh, forget this, I'm not doing that anymore. But what are you like at finishing things? You see, because what's true in, in life is also very true in our spiritual lives. Many people start out following Jesus with real enthusiasm. Right at the start, it's, Jesus, I'm going to follow you forever. Come what may, I ain't going to quit. And they're full of passion and joy and energy and life. But then something happens, something, life happens, and they quit. They pull away for a, forever in some cases. So the question that I'm hoping to answer today is basically this. How do we stay faithful to Jesus? How do we endure and finish strong? How do we make sure that we stay faithful from the moment that we take our first step on the road of faith right until that moment when we take our last breath and step into eternity? How do we do it? It's been said that it's not how you start in the Christian life that matters, it's how you finish, because the ending matters. The US crime writer, Mickey Spillane, once said this, he said, the most important part of a story is the ending. No one reads a book to get to the middle. And we don't, do we? And how annoying would it be to be halfway through a book and be gripped by the characters and the story and just with all these unanswered questions and then it ends in the middle, half finished. How frustrating is that? I get really frustrated if I'm watching something on Netflix or Amazon Prime and I watch, I get through the whole season of a new series and it ends on a cliffhanger, season one. You've got all these unanswered questions, what's going to happen to the character, what's going to happen to the villain, and then they cancel season two and you never find out. Drives me mad. The ending matters. The story is incomplete without the ending and our story as followers of Jesus, is incomplete without a strong ending. And indeed, it could be said and argued that how we finish as Christians actually proves the validity of our initial first steps on the road of faith. So how we persevere and keep going is really important. Now, the Bible is absolutely full of examples of those who started out well 
But then something happens, they veer off course, and sometimes it goes all wrong, and sometimes with devastating results. Probably the best example for me, and certainly for me as a leader, would be this guy, would be King Saul. As a leader, his story haunts me. Because here's a guy that starts out strong. He's head and literally head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. The first king. He's handsome. He looks the part. And he's chosen by God. And for a while he's doing well. He obeys God. He leads the Israelites in victory over many, many uh, nations. But then he lets fear take over. And he begins to allow fear and not faith in God rule his heart and his mind. And he starts to wander. And in effect he does. He disobeys God. And it ends with him taking his own life on the battlefield. That's tragic. So here's a guy that starts out and everyone says, he's the man, look at that guy. And in the end, just tragic. And someone, in fact, a professor called Howard Hendricks, has worked out that there are a hundred or so leaders in the Bible that we have got enough information to make a judgment on their life. There's about a hundred of them. And only, no, sorry, and two-thirds of those do not finish strong. That's quite high, isn't it? That's a lot of people not finishing strong. Now on the opposite side of that, when it comes to finishing finishing strong, one of the best and most well-known examples would be this chap, the Apostle Paul. He was a follower of Jesus who remained faithful right to the end. And we have some of his last words in the second letter to Timothy in the New Testament. And this was a letter that he wrote to a um, a youngish, timid pastor who was struggling in his church and in that, that, that context. And as he writes to Timothy, this last letter, which becomes like his swan song, his last words, he's encouraging Timothy about preaching the word and staying faithful and and encouraging Timothy on. But then he says this about himself. So this is an aged Paul, and he says this. He says for Timothy, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. So here's Paul at the end of his life. He's got the executioner's axe hanging over him because he's in prison writing this. The Romans are going to execute him. He knows the end is coming and he's basically saying, I am finishing strong. I am completing the project that God gave me to do. Don't give me that cup about champions and half-finished projects. Give me the crown that is mine, because I'm going to finish well. And it's worth remembering that Paul, Paul is able to say that, not because his life was a bed of roses, far from it. He talks about fighting the good fight for a reason. His life was tough. If you go back into 2 Corinthians chapter 6, which was written several years before this moment, he paints this vivid picture of what life was like for him. And it's far from easy. He talks about these things. Troubles, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights and hunger. And that's no walk in the park. And he's saying, in spite of all that, by the grace of God, I am finishing strong. That's great testimony. Plus, 
Paul is finishing strong, even though in the life of many, his life at that moment, rotting in a prison cell, looked like failure. See, he's finishing strong not with the applause of lots of people. He's not finishing strong with success in the world's eyes. He's not finishing strong lying on a beach basking in his, in his victories and his success. He's finishing strong in a prison cell, about to be killed. But he can say he finishes strong because he's finishing faithful to Jesus. And that what is, that's what finishing strong is all about. He has kept the faith to the end. So here is Paul, a shining example of what finishing strong actually looks like. Now if you keep reading in that same letter, just a few verses on, Paul mentions a guy called Demas. And this is what he says about Demas. He says, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Now this guy Demas was mentioned by Paul twice, two other times in two other letters. And on one occasion he says of Demas that he is a fellow worker. So here we've got this guy Demas who at one point was faithful, was serving alongside Paul was committed, was running the race, and now where is he? Paul says, because he loved this world, he's deserted. Deserted me, deserted the gospel. We don't know what ever became of Demas. But he serves as this contrast between himself and Paul. Paul, who's finishing strong. Demas, who is, at this point, nowhere to be seen. So the question is, what do I have to do? Tell me what I have to do so I can end up like Paul... And not be a Dimas. I want to be a Paul. Because if you've been a Christian long enough. Like I've been a Christian nearly 30 years now. You should know. You should be. I'm sure you can count on your hand. People that once said. I love Jesus. And I'm going to follow him to the end. And now. They're nowhere to be seen. My brother and my best mate are two of those. At one point. Standing with me in spring harvest as a young person. Hands in the air, praising Jesus. Talking about Jesus and loving his word. Now, nowhere to be seen when it comes to following the Lord. So how do I make sure I'm a Paul and not a Dimas? Well, the good news is, is that the answer to remaining strong or finishing strong is not rocket science. This is rocket science. Now, I don't understand that at all. At all. But the good news is, when it comes to finishing strong and persevering as a Christian, it's not complicated. It really isn't complicated. I want to say it's simple in the sense of this, that it's, it's easy to get. Persevering and enduring and running the race of faith doesn't mean I've got to be some kind of spiritual giant, jump through spiritual hoops, learn some really deep, mystical, weird spiritual concepts and ideas. It's not that difficult to understand. It can be hard to do, but it's not rocket science in that sense. So let's turn to to Hebrews chapter 12. And this gives us some really practical things that that help us to make sure that we can finish strong and end up more like a Paul than a Dimas. Now Paul in his words to Timothy has already used the idea of the Christian walk 
be more like a race, actually. It's like a race. He says, doesn't he, I've finished the race. And the writer to Hebrews picks up this idea that following Jesus is like being in a race. And those clips we were shown just, just are so good to bear those in mind as we think about these verses in Hebrews. Now, Hebrews itself was originally a letter, like most of those New Testament letters are. It was written to real people, real Christians like us. It wasn't a PhD in theology that was written. It was a, I'm writing to some struggling believers who need to know some certain things. And these Hebrew believers, these Christians, were going through it. And they were being tempted to quit the race. That was what was coming at them. Some of them had lost their homes. Some of them had been thrown into prison. And many of them were like, we just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to keep following Jesus. Let's go back into Judaism, which was, at this moment, it seems safer and easier in a bizarre way. And so this writer writes to these Christians to say, don't quit the race. And in Hebrews chapter 11, he does that wonderful thing where you get all these examples of men and women who run their race well. And you get all these heroes of the faith, all listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And it's as if the writer is saying, look at how people before you have run. Look at their example. Their example is a testimony to the fact that God is good. God is with you. That you don't have to quit. And it's like their example cheers you on. Keep running. Keep believing. Keep trusting. And so he's there in Hebrews 11 with all these examples. And then it turns to Hebrews 12. And we get these words. So the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, so it's like we're in the stadium of faith as Christians, and as we're in that stadium and we're running our race, the spectators in that stadium are all these men and women who've gone before us. And so the the spectators cheering us on are fellow competitors. They've already gone before us and they've got the prize and they're there. They're cheering you on. They're this cloud of witnesses. So because of that, the writer says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And let let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the big idea is that following Jesus is like being in a race. But how we run that race really matters. And so the author here gives us three practical things that we can do in order to run well, persevere and finish strong. And each one begins with those two words, let us. Let us. So the first thing he says, let us throw off everything that hinders And the sin that so easily entangles. Now before I go on, this little picture of this kid here reminds me of my son when he was at school. I'm not kidding you, every time he left for school, he was as loaded up as that. And I used to think, how is he going to do it? And he rode a bike as well. (laughs) Bizarre. But the point of this verse is that in any serious race, 
An athlete will only run in clothing relevant to the race. We saw that, didn't we, with Mo Farah. And we see it with people like Usain Bolt. As good as those guys are at running, they do not run in jeans and hoodies, do they? They run in, in, in as little as possible in what matters, in what is essential. And in fact, if you go back to ancient Greece and in, in the times of when this letter was written, some of them, some of the contests, the, the athletes ran naked to be as completely freed up as possible. And so we, the point is, we are runners in the race of faith. And that means that when we run, we've got to be quite disciplined and say, what do I need to get rid of in order to run better? What do I need to throw off and remove? And that can be both good and bad things. The bad things is the obvious stuff, the sinful stuff, the sinful attitudes, the sinful practices that we know we're engaged in. And nothing, nothing is more likely to trip you up and get you off course than outright sin. And if the Lord is convicts you of sin, you don't run from him. That's what the enemy will say. You run to Jesus. You confess that sin and by his grace throw it off. Get up and get going again. So there's the bad stuff to throw up. But then there is stuff that we might say is, well, it's, it's good. In that it's kind of, it's, it's morally neutral. Like, for instance, a smartphone. There's nothing inherently evil about a smartphone. But some of us can get so addicted to those things that that becomes the focus. We're so into it all the time. And we're given up having quiet times or prayer times because we're so stuck with our phones. For other people, it might be careers. There's nothing wrong with having a career. There's nothing wrong with providing for your family. But I've known some Christian men, I have to say, Christian men, who've got so into their careers that they've, they've wandered. They have wandered from the faith. And it becomes all about the job, the status, the career, the money. It could be our homes. Nothing wrong with a home. We all love our homes. But again, I know people who are so obsessed with their carpets and chairs and things that that's the focus. And it's ultimately about what is the treasure? Where is the treasure? Where is the focus in your life? Are those things, and, and only you will know this because what weighs you down will be different from what weighs me down. But are those things getting in the way? And do you need to adjust? Do we need to make some changes in some way? See, the bottom line is, following Jesus can be hard at times. And, and our Father in Heaven doesn't want us loading ourselves up with stuff that does not matter. We carry enough. You know, we, we just need His help to remove things that just aren't necessary. So the first thing is throw it off, get rid of it, make some changes, make some good decisions. Secondly, the second let us is let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. So this verse is telling us up front that the race of faith is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Because a marathon, you need perseverance. And the word perseverance means to endure and have patience. And endurance and patience are needed when you're involved in something over the long haul. 
And the Christian, the Christian race, the Christian life, it is. It's like, a, it's like a marathon and not a sprint. And to be patient and to endure and to persevere are absolutely essential for the kind of race we're involved in. Because the Christian life is not the sort of thing that... Our race is not like we're running on, like we saw in those videos... The tracks in those stadiums have been engineered to perfection. They're smooth, they're level, they're flat, they're perfect. Our race is like this. We run on bumps. We go up and we go down. It's messy, it's dirty. We go over the hills of heartache and hurt. We go through the streams of sacrifice and suffering. And we get muddy and dirty and bruised and broken and in fact the Greek word for race is agon which means to fight to struggle and it's where we get our word agony from and sometimes not all the time and even in the midst of our joys sometimes following Jesus is hard it's hard to do the right thing and not the easy thing It's hard to count the cost. It's hard sometimes to carry our cross. It's hard to fight sin. It's hard to stand up against those in your family and loved ones who might mock you for your faith. It isn't, as we saw with Paul, it's not a walk in the park. And because for some some, the race can be quite hard at times, we are tempted to quit. And we think, I've had enough of this. That was my brother's story. I can remember the day when he just admitted, it's, it's just too hard. I love women and drinking. I can't give them up. At least he was honest. <laughs> it's hard. When I face times when I feel like quitting, one of the things that keeps me going really comforts me is knowing that being in this race was not my idea. Because it's the race marked out for us. Jesus Christ put me in the race. And Jesus Christ put you in the race. And I get such comfort from that, knowing that he is the author of the race and the perfecter of the race. He is the starting line. He is the finishing line. That fuels my joy, that fuels my perseverance, that keeps me going. It wasn't my idea. So our perseverance is tied to the person and the work of Jesus. It's because of who he is and what he's done that I can keep on running, which leads to the final point, which is let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us consider him. When I was about 13, I, my adult teeth... I. I had a tooth here, which the adult tooth, instead of growing up, grew outwards. I still don't have a tooth there. I couldn't be bothered with a false tooth. So at the age 13, they took it out and they had to cut into my gum and I had a whole big operation. And about three weeks afterwards, it got infected. The stitches got infected. Very painful. And I I went to a a hospital in London somewhere and I, I sat in the chair and this very posh doctor surgeon just looked you know almost speaking over you and just took one look and I said yes it's infected and he got a scalpel and with no um, anaesthetic whatsoever he cut into my bottom drawer here wow now my mum was sitting there she was there 
And I'm lying here and I'm seeing this scalpel coming. And I just kept my eyes on my mum. And she just gave me that look like a mum would. Like, it's going to be all right. And I just remember being in so much pain. I, I, I didn't scream. I just, you know, just little tears come down. But I did not turn my gaze from my mum. I just kept looking. And when the scalpel of life cuts into us and we're tempted to quit our race, that's when we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's when we, we preoccupy ourselves with him. He becomes everything. And the word fix means I don't casually glance at him. Oh, there he is. That's great. It means I actively turn. I forget everything else, all the distractions, and I actively look into the face of Jesus. Just like me, when that scalpel came, I, I, I saw that scalpel coming and thought, no, and I looked at my mum and kept my eyes on my mum. But the question is, how do I fix my eyes on someone I can't see? <laughs> we don't see Jesus in the flesh, do we? Well, we're told to consider him. Verse 3 expands on it, really. It means think carefully about who he is and what he's done. Not just once, but again and again. Fix your eyes on him. Consider who he is. And again, this is not rocket science. The answer to considering and fixing is the simple disciplines of the Christian life. It's spending time in prayer. It's reading God's word. It's coming together with fellow Christians like this weekly. Taking communion, singing his praises. It is um, reorientating ourselves around the gospel each week. You know, we spend six days of the week, don't we, in the world, which will do everything to pull us away from the good news of Jesus and who he is. And it's great that we come back at least just once and we reorientate ourselves back around Jesus and the gospel again. It's good to do that. It's good to do that. You know, this is where grace comes in and saves the day. Because there are those times when it feels like quitting. There are times when the struggle against sin it overwhelms us. It feels like it's just too much. And we get to that point and we say, I quit. I quit. I'm letting the world know right now I can't do this anymore. I've been there, done it. I know that feeling. As a leader, I just the other week I had a moment. Just pile upon pile of stuff coming out. And I turned to my wife, Maddie. And said, I can't do it anymore. Can't do it. I quit. But this is where grace comes in. This is where the grace of God comes to every single one of us. And it finds us face down in the dirt on the track. And it says, lift up your heads, raise your eyes and look at Jesus Christ. And look at the one who put you in this race. <laughs> look at the one who is the greatest example of what it means to overcome everything and finish strong. And if you're here this morning and you're feeling weary and you're losing heart, then I believe that Jesus would say to you something like this. Your story is not over yet. You are still mine and I will never leave you or forsake you. So get back on your feet and run again and run knowing what I have done for you. That I died for your sins. That I finished the work of your salvation. 
that I have defeated Satan. I have broken the power of sin over your life. And I have filled you with the Holy Spirit. And when you run, don't run believing that you're earning your salvation. You are already saved. But run to obtain everything that I have for you. Run to become more like me. And run like I run with the joy that was before me. So run anticipating the joy at the finish line, which is perfection and complete and utter companionship and intimacy with your Father. That's how you should run, says Jesus. And Jesus would say, run knowing who I am. Fix your eyes on me, the sovereign Lord. I am the one seated at the right hand of my Father. I am the author and perfecter of your life and faith. I am the starting line and the finish line. And what I have started in you, I will finish in you. And Jesus would say, run knowing what I am doing. I am perfecting you as you run. I am making you like me. I am fighting your battles. I am interceding for you. I am sustaining you in this race. So take your eyes off of yourself and everything else and fix them on me, says Jesus. And run, run, run for my glory. That's what Jesus would say. That's where I go when I struggle. I consider Jesus and that wonderful grace that picks us up, forgives us and says, get on with it. So don't quit. I know what it's like to make the sign. And some of you might be making your sign now. The paint's wet and you just want to hold it up and say, I quit. Well, let me encourage you not to. Set out to finish strong by throwing off everything that hinders. Get rid of that extra baggage. And run with perseverance, with that endurance and with a patience. And as you run, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Preoccupy yourself with the beauty of who he is. Because he is the saviour that sets us free. He is the fuel that fires our hearts. He is the champion that cheers us on. And when we think we're going to quit, we never know what's around the corner. A couple of weeks ago, midweek, when I turned to my wife and said, I can't do this anymore. That following Sunday, I baptised a young man. And straight after he got baptised, three other people on the spot got baptised. And I stood in those baptism waters and I thought, oh Miles, you fool. There was me ready to jack it all in. And here am I standing in the waters of baptism. And the joy of the Lord was so thick in that place. So you never know what's coming. There are times when it is in the valley. But then there are times when we get up high. And we see him. One final thought. And it was beautifully illustrated with the the father running alongside his son. And we've already seen how that's a great picture of the father encouraging and and spurring us on. But for me it's also this. Finishing strong is not a solo pursuit. It is not. We are to encourage one another. There are no lone rangers in the Christian life. And even the Apostle Paul, if you go back to his final words in 2 Timothy, even though he says, I've finished my race, you will still see him there at the end of his days saying to to Timothy and others, come to me.
come to me where I am now. I love that. Yeah, Paul had the presence of Jesus, but he still wanted human beings with him in his final moments. And so encourage each other. Find people that you can get alongside to encourage. And if you feel like quitting, go to someone you trust and just bleh, just tell them and let it out. And if, if there's a culture of grace here, which I'm sure there is in this fellowship, then they will help you. And they won't condemn you for that. Let me pray. And as we turn to pray, I really want to pray firstly for any of us this morning who have loved ones and friends who are right now who are prodigals in that they've left the race. And I believe that the Lord would say to us always, he often says to me about my brother and my best friend, is that those people that have wandered off, who right now aren't following Jesus, their story is not over yet. It's not over. It's over the minute they stop breathing and the Lord takes them. So we don't know where their story is going to go. But I just pray for them now, Heavenly Father, for those of us in this room with loved ones and friends who were once full of passion and joy and proclaimed the name of Jesus. But now, Lord, they're gone. Father, we pray that you will bring them back and restore them to you. That they may once again know the joy of their salvation. And I pray, Lord, that you will bring people and situations into their life this very day that will cause them to say, what have I done? And where am I? I need to get back to Jesus. And I pray too for anyone in this room right now who is struggling in their race for whatever reason whether it's blatant sin or just because life is hard and I pray Father that you will sustain them today that they may know that you do not condemn them that you actually are cheering them on and it more than that actually Lord you are there carrying them and encouraging them and fueling them and help all of us Lord to keep our mind and our eyes fixed on Jesus let him really really fuel our hearts Lord and keep us going because we want to glorify you we want to finish strong we want to be faithful to Jesus till the end and so now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Saviour through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.